Comments made on the Ceratalk Podcast Network are those of the individuals and do not represent Ceratech Corporation, its staff, management, board of directors, or third-party resellers. It's time for High Contrast, the show dedicated to the visually impaired lifestyle for those people who are sort of in between sight lines. Those that are technically not blind, but not perfectly sighted either. And we're going to try and cover a bunch of different topics this week, hopefully less technology than the previous weeks to sort of break it up a little. I am Rodney Edgar of TechAccessWeekly.com, and we are joined by the normal cast of characters. To my virtual left is Mari Hill of the AI Squared Zoomed In blog. How's it going, Mari? Good evening, Rodney. Excellent. It's very frigid in Vermont, but that's life. Ah, it's kind of cold here in North Carolina as well, but the guy who pretty much can keep us sort of in the middle of climate is Joe Ranger Steinkamp of Serotech, Serotalk, SPN, EOL Show, That Android Show, Triple Click Home, Twitter, and Uh everything under the sun so he can get all his Uh plugs in all at one time. How's it going, Joe? Good. I'm doing well on the third coast. And, uh, you know, I think if I took the temperature from North Carolina and the temperature from Vermont, added them together, you probably reach the temperature that we have here in Houston. So we look at it this way. As long as you're able to wear long sleeves on Thanksgiving, it's a good day in Texas. But um, chances are it's going to be sweatpants or biker pants and a tube top and giblets and gravy everywhere. Uh, Anyway, uh, that's just a vision that's probably not really good. No. It's like Uh, not good. Family pictures and the people of walmart.com. They're almost the same thing. I'm just saying. Ah, I thought you looked familiar on the uh, website there. Yeah. That biker jersey and the pink hot pants. That was so me. And if you want to test what we talked about in July, that's a perfect site for being able to try and detect, is that a guy or is that a girl? And a reason why Zoom text can go up to 32X. <laughs> oh, goodness. Before we derail, let's try and continue onward. So let's get started with a technology topic, but it's a CCTV that Mari actually has in her possession. It is the Visio Book CCTV by Stellar Technologies. So, Mari, what is this suitcase-looking device like? Rodney, this is a great CCTV if you only have space or money for one CCTV at home. Everyone would love one in every room, but that's not always possible. And the little portable electronic magnifier is not quite enough for home use. You need to do bills under it, uh, read eight and a half by 11 documents, fill out endless forms. This might be the one for you. I think it's great because of its portability. It's like kind of a semi-portable between the small magnifier and the big table CCTV, which weigh about 100 pounds and are impossible to use. This might be the one that would work better for you. And what's great about it is its form factor. It folds up into kind of the size of an old big laptop. It's about 2 inches thick, 12 by 13 inch. It has a 12 inch screen. It magnifies from 1.8 to 30x. It weighs 7.7 pounds. 
You can even travel with it if you really needed to. If I was gone for, let's say, a week or two, I might consider bringing it with me. But its portability at home is what makes it very unique. Bringing it from room to room in the kitchen, you can put a cookbook under it. When I go to bed at night, I bring some snail mail and try to get through some of that. And I don't have to go into my office and do it at one particular place in my house. I can move it wherever I want. So I think it's a pretty cool option if you're looking for something like that. So it has a camera on it, which is a 720p HD camera. How well does it work with looking off to things at a distance? Is that pretty useful? Well, at home, things are just not that far away in my room, but it works. I've checked it out. And that's another thing. Because of that distance viewer where you can tip the camera out in the distance and it's semi-portability, I think it would be a great tool for a student. You can carry it from classroom to classroom and probably be able to point it at the chalkboard, marker board, whatever, and be able to read it. Now, the specs for it says that it has a lithium-ion battery that will hold for four hours, but it also has an AC adapter, too. Do you find that four hours is enough time to be able to use it? I mean, granted, you're using it mostly around home. Yeah, like all of these things, it always turns off when you need it the most. But the AC adapter is really long, so usually wherever I am, I'm able to plug it in. So oftentimes I accidentally leave it on, so that's why I lose my battery sooner than I want to. But yeah, I think four hours is plenty, especially since I'm mostly using it around home. Okay, and this is twenty nine ninety five from Stellar Technologies, Stellar, S-T-E-L-L-E-R dash technology dot C-O dot U-K if you want to go to their product website. So looks like it's pretty useful. It definitely looks a lot more portable than the visual tech CCTV that I used to roll around on a shopping cart in elementary school. <laughs> Way back in the day. And it kind of looks like the Dell. There was a 21-inch Dell laptop that they had a few years ago that was actually like a suitcase that would open up. I don't think they sell that anymore, but I always thought that would be interesting for portability, I guess. I'm wondering if other CCTV magnifiers will copy this sort of design. I don't know any other device quite like it, but I wouldn't call it the absolute best CCTV in the world as far as quality, but it's the design of it that makes it quite unique and special, I think, and worth it. Okay. Definitely a product that a lot of people may be interested in. I keep thinking that I need to get something like this in the house to use for, like you say, mail and reading documents and reading things off at a distance, but I just haven't looked that far into it. So... This may be something that I will take a look at if I can get it into yeah. the household budget. Yeah, there you go. So definitely, if people have experience with the Stellar Technologies Visio Book CCTV, or if you have knowledge of another CCTV that you prefer to use, let us know over at resources at serotalk.com. 
so that we can sort of pass your thoughts and views along to other listeners. Or Rodney, you could ask for it as a Christmas gift. You know, it is the holiday season. It's the time for Festivus for the rest of us. (laughs) Seinfeld. Yeah, Joe, but see, like with my in-laws, I would actually Uh, have to have them receive it first so that they could re-gift it to me. uh, That would be the only way that it would come. Yeah, the never-ending Donna Reed fruitcake, you know. That's correct. As Johnny Carson (laughs) said, there's only seven in the country. They just keep getting passed from family to family like heirlooms. It's like those pecan logs at Stucky's. You never see anybody buy them, but they're always on the shelf. The hot dogs at 7-Eleven. They're just decorative. Uh, As we derail into the wonderful holiday season, seeing as how Thanksgiving is coming up, Christmas is here almost, Lord have mercy, as well as New Year's. Since people will be listening to this in early December, I wanted folks to know that Aaron and I were planning our fourth annual New Year's Eve Drunken Spectacular on MushroomFM.com. But sadly, the station has shut down as of November 30th. Fourth annual? Really? Fourth annual, yes. Somebody invite these two to a party. (laughs) Last year, we pulled out a bottle of uh, moonshine that someone gave us. So we still have remnants of that. So we may have to bring that out yet again. Fermented and finely aged. There you go. So I wondered how you got your blindness and now I know. Okay, well, this is good. I think of uh, Homer Simpson and the episode where he talks about uh, how he made the flaming Homer. And he goes, it passed the first test. I didn't go blind. (laughs) Yeah, this year we may have to actually test it to see if it is uh, good or not, which basically means take a match. (laughs) light it drop it into a glass and if the flame comes up blue it's good to go (laughs) okay if it can fuel the general lee and you can drive it away from uh boss hog you're good okay good good so good time had by all and actually i kid rodney i actually have listened but definitely check that out over there at mushroom fm and hear more about that kind of stuff and i think you know New Year's Eve is like the one holiday you can get away with being visually impaired because everybody else is pretty much stone drunk anyway and can't see you any more than you can see them. So that one you kind of sort of get around with. Very true. And plus, they're stumbling around and you can just run into them and they're not even going to pay attention to you. So there there you go. go. So we thought we would look at the other two holidays and sort of get an idea as to what can we do to help people out there either buy gifts or avoid travel nightmares. And last year we had a lot of good comments about our special episode kind of around this same topic. So here we are again. So are there any travel nightmares that people are sort of planning ahead for? I know Mari has traveled a lot in the past year and so has Joe is there anything other than make sure mom and dad can figure out which way grandma's is? <laughs> it's funny you even mentioned that. I got my parents hooked on OnStar. They recently got a new Chevrolet truck. And my family was having trouble looking at my Nexus 7 or their Google phone or what have you to be able to do maps. And I kind of said, well, you know, if you used OnStar, it's going to flash it up there on the radio on the console. And... For my parents, it was better for them to 
push the button and ask for directions and have them beam down to the vehicle than it was sometimes for them to even just ask Siri or ask Google Now to give them driving directions. And for them, it was just, even though it's more limited than what you have on a tablet or a phone, OnStar was just what I needed for my parents. And actually, if not their mainstay, it becomes their backup. The downside is that, again, it has some limitations. And man, when it gets to your destination, you are done. They're out. They're like, okay, you're here. Good luck. Where you still have the ability to kind of sort of reroute or renavigate on tablets. My brother tells me that you can actually press the blue OnStar button and it'll actually recalculate or give you the ability to recalculate. And actually, sometimes, just recently on a trip up to Austin, it figured out that it needed to recalculate. But for the parents and the family who might have some denial issues and they're not to the point where you can ask them to give up the keys yet, having something like OnStar might work because it blows through the stereo speakers in the car. And that could be good for people who have hearing issues. And again, the emergency help button and stuff like that, where they can just press the OnStar button and get assistance is a little easier than trying to walk them through the cell phone and dialing AA or AAA. (laughs) Maybe they need both. It all depends. Uh, But enough about my family. The other thing that I would say is that having, again, that dashboard light up and say in 50 feet, turn right. For some people, they still get the information better if they're reading. Of course, you want to assign that to the co-pilot. You don't want the driver actually reading. But it's still one of those things that I didn't think at first was going to be something that my family would use, but actually turned out to be a really good thing. And my mother is like the king of the AARP discount. It's ingrained for her when she gets a check to throw down the seniors card or ask for AARP. And it's actually surprising to find out how many businesses do utilize that. And so if you are of age or if you are an ARP member, it's good to throw that out there because there might be some services and things out there that would be helpful to you and actually give you discounts as well. Now, in my travel situation, Erin is going off to Indiana to visit her family. I'm pretty much staying here because, well, I don't have a backup at work, so I'm pretty much stranded trying to work and have holidays. So it's pretty much short drive to my parents' house where they come pick me up, go back and forth, that kind of thing. But uh, Mari, do you have any plans that are involving travel difficulties or anything for the upcoming holidays? Oh, yes. My father, who's 90, lives a two-hour drive north of me, but in rural Vermont, the public transportation is kind of like a patchwork quilt, and it took me quite a while to figure out how to get up there the best way with needing as little help as possible. But there is a way. I can go 200 yards down the road and hop on the bus to Rutland, then stay a couple hours, go from Rutland to Middlebury, wait a couple hours, then go from Middlebury to Hinesburg, which is 10 minutes from my father's house. But it takes like, oh gosh, a total of 9.30 in the morning till 4.30 in the evening to do what's normally a two-hour drive. But in, in the whole process, I decided to contact by email all the different commuter buses that I'm taking and ask if they could make their schedules available to Google Transit and the HopStop app. 
And I've gotten great feedback in the last couple of days that they're starting to look into it. And so I'm excited that there may be a problem solved by at least being able to find out if, number one, I can get from point A to point B and when I can transfer from one bus to the next instead of looking at five different schedules and some of them are Monday through Saturday, some of them are Monday through Friday and you almost just give up looking at these different printed schedules which are in blurry PDF. So I'm excited about being able to help with that issue in Vermont. Now back over the summer you went to Disney. Was there anything as far as like airline travel that you learned that would be helpful to people that might be having to fly during the holidays? Keep a running list of things that are really helpful when you travel because of your vision impairment. You know, all your special devices, your portable magnifier, your Victor reader, if that's what you use for reading, download some books if you need to do that ahead of time. Keep a running list so that Every time you travel, you just look at your list and you're good to go. Yeah, that's usually the thing that I always hear people say, I forgot something or I can't find this particular cable or I had to end up going and finding an Apple store or a Best Buy or something and they didn't have what I needed and I was stuck. You know, I hear that all the time. So what about Joe, Mr. Convention traveling all over the place? Any tips you can give for the flying, the bus riding? Well, you know, we're coming right off the shadow of what happened to that individual with the uh, service animal on U.S. Airways, which is um, breaking out all over Twitter as we're recording this. And it also comes off another issue with U.S. Airways where they have had to pay money for issues that were working around disabled individuals in wheelchairs. So if you are multiply disabled, especially, you might want to sit down and talk with your friends or go online and ask the question about which mode of transportation might be best for you and your family or service animal. That's kind of important because you don't want to necessarily choose a carrier who's already known for that, or maybe you do, hoping in that they are going to be even more sensitive to your needs than they were before it got out about a gentleman being kicked off an aircraft. So that's one of the things I would say is do your homework. Think about where you want to go. And if you're going there, is there things like super shuttle available that you could take from the airport to a hotel? Or does your hotel offer a shuttle? Knowing all of that ahead of time before you go and planning your route is very important. And doing things like is there Uber, the cab riding app available in that particular place that you're going to? Because some people are wanting to pay by PayPal now through Uber, which is new. And uh, that makes it easier than having to worry about paper money or getting into an argument with the cab driver. And that does still happen. And even calling the taxi cab company ahead of time and finding out how much the average fare is from the airport to wherever you're going to or vice versa. Those are important pieces of information to have in your, your arsenal. So if you are stuck somewhere or you're trying to plan out how much cash you want to take or Do you want to do everything on plastic? Having that information is very important to you and just doing that kind of stuff. Even if you want to do, say, something like if you have enough vision to be able to use Google Earth and doing a virtual tour to see if you can kind of sort of get some visual cues. So when you're there, you can say, oh, yeah, I remember actually seeing this. If I turn to my left, I should actually see there's an orange building or something like that as a visual landmark to help kind of reconnoitre 
your mobility area before you actually go. So using tools that are already available to us is a big thing. And of course, then there's still apps out there, you know, the Seeing Eye GPS app, Nearby Explorer for Android, both the Nearby especially has offline ability to use maps. So you can actually kind of study those on the plane over or the car ride over. And even again, like we had talked about before, getting some apps like the My Pilot app or getting one for Waffle House, you know, you can find where your next meal or gas station is going to be and be an active part of the trip while riding in the car if that's what you're doing to go to grandmother's house for Thanksgiving or Christmas. And Joe, speaking about taxis, if you're meeting a taxi supposed to meet you somewhere like a airport or a train station, don't forget to tell them that you are visually impaired. <laughs> My right. husband is a taxi driver and someone that was visually impaired didn't tell him that. So he's holding the sign up and she can't find him because she can't see him. So don't forget that little important piece. And if you know what you're going to wear that day, it also helps because you could describe yourself. Look, you know, I'm wearing this. And if you're working with a luggage handler to locate your luggage when you get off the plane and you're not using an electronic beeping thing that you can put in your luggage to notify you when your luggage is getting closer, you want to choose a bag or a luggage tag that is incredibly bright or has contrast against what you have. So you can describe it to Mm -hmm. others, if nothing else, like, Uh, You're looking for the blue bag with the orange luggage tag. You know, if you don't see that, chances are somebody else with you might. And that can make a big deal. But also knowing that you're wearing stripes or solids or something like that, to be able to describe to the cab driver or who's picking you up, especially if it's a shuttle driver, what to look for can be a big, 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 big help. And there's no harm in saying, where is the drop-off area? Can you give me directions to where that is? Because airports have specific places for loading and unloading. And that can be a big help knowing that if you have never traveled to that airport before. And that actually might be a good gift to give someone is a bright colored piece of luggage. Yeah, they're on sale. Uh, Usually Black Friday (laughs) deals on ugly luggage. And I mean ugly luggage. And I say that jokingly, but fashion sense is not something. I'm not just visually impaired. I'm style impaired. But fashion sense has never been one of my bigger strong points. And being able to choose some of those bags that would stand out in a crowd is Mm -hmm. very, very, very helpful. When on a cruise ship, when looking at a sprawling line of luggage coming off an aircraft, all of that stuff is very helpful. If you can say, look, that zebra bag, that hideous thing is mine. (laughs) I have one of those. Yeah, matches his tube top. Yes, (laughs) people of Walmart.com. And another obvious tip is when you get off the airplane, just follow someone. (laughs) If you're nervous about finding the baggage claim, just follow the crowd. Don't stop at the bathroom first because then you'll lose everybody. So you'll have to follow the crowd before they disperse. That is definitely a good set of ideas that probably I wouldn't think of some of that just because I don't travel. I go to and from work and that's pretty much the gist of it. But yes, ugly luggage might be really good for the traveler and Black (laughs) Friday sales might be perfect, you know. Going back to Mari's thing about trying to make a list of all the little gadgets that you need, something that I throw in a bag every day when I go to work is called a GRIDIT, G-R-I-D-I-T organizer. Uh, You can find them on Amazon. They're basically flat pieces that have elastic straps on it and you can put all your cables and 
MP3 players and things like that in it, and it'll sort of hold them securely. And you can even get some that are closed, so it has Velcro on it, so it'll wrap up and everything. But that is something that I found invaluable when trying to pack up because I've got cables for cell phone, MP3 player, that kind of thing that I want to have for work in case battery dies, I get stranded somewhere, that kind of thing. So we'll definitely put a link to that in the show notes. Hmm, I've never heard of that. Yeah, since that is a gift idea, what kind of things are people planning to gift or re-gift this holiday season? Anything, Mari? Ooh, let's see. Or maybe we should say something that you would like to get. (laughs) Accessibility-wise or something useful that you use every single day. Right. Well, I don't know. How about the obvious orange dots that you can mark your appliances with? What is that, a highlight pin? High marks, I think it is. I'm not sure. And then can't you get this like liquid stuff that's very bright colored for making a tactile marking on things like appliances? Yeah, I believe that's the high marks. Oh, okay. That's the one I seem to remember. You sort of very gently put a dot on something and then it'll harden over time. Okay. So that's definitely a good thing. Yeah, that's a good tip. What about Joe? He's always got things going on over there. On the other side oh, of the room, for Christmas? or anything you can recommend that you use on a daily basis that people might not know about. I have slowly but surely drug into the Keurig market, the cake up from hell kind of thing. And I am still one of these coffee snobs that would prefer to brew his own and, you know, have a certain temperature and ground it a certain way. Anyway, but I have, you know, woken up in the morning and not turned away a cup of the current coffee. So what I have done in order to try and regain my snobbery, uh, not that that <laughs> some would say that was hard, is I've been playing with all sorts of K-cups from Gloria Jeans. I started off there with mass market ones at Costco, but there's a local chain here in Texas called H-E-B, and uh, they commissioned some coffees called Taste of Houston, Taste of San Antonio, Taste of Austin. And the Taste of San Antonio one is really neat because it kind of has a Mexican chocolate flavor with cinnamon mm. and is very, very strong, dark roast and is perfect for that I don't know that I'm away. Oh, my eyelashes are now behind my earlobes. Whoa, that's awesome uh, kind of coffees. And uh, so I've been playing around with those and trying to do as little tech as possible because the great thing about Serotech is that we have a product on just about every freaking platform. And I'd say that in a very loving manner. So I've been playing with Windows 8.1 and iOS 7 and Mavericks and soon to be KitKat. And I'm just kind of sort of tired of belling up uh, my tummy to the progress bar. So I've been doing a lot more of the offline stuff, reading books and playing with things and trying to ignore the fact that I want either a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One, probably both. So I've been playing with these things like K-Cups and doing more things in the relation of food and party food. I've been asked to come to some work-related parties offline. So I've been looking at, oh, I can bring this or bring that because I like finding unique food for EOL generally, but to, you know, look, those are holiday Oreos. I don't know why that they're green and I should buy them or green and red and that's not going to affect the taste, but they're festive. Let's go with that. So those are the kinds of things. But me personally, here lately, I've I've actually really reverted back to audiobooks. And uh, so lately, that's kind of all I really, really, really wanted because I don't really want to play with any more 
things that beep flash or talk because it just reminds me of work. <laughs> and we've had this conversation on staff a couple of times, but some people like Ricky can read robotic, you know, synthesized voices at 220 words per minute and be just fine with it, can read a book that way. I can't do it. It's too much like work at that point. I hear synthesized speech all day at work. I want to hear a person read to me. It's, I don't know why there's this weird duality to it that, you know, this one's for leisure and this one's for work. But I've met other people who feel the very same way that they want a, you know, human narrator to read their books that they read for fun. And then they can read articles about the most boring things on the planet on, you know, electronic speech. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. For pleasure reading, I prefer a real human voice. Although with the Read to Go app and Voice Stream app, I can definitely quite easily tolerate a book that I really want to read on Bookshare using those apps. So I'm getting used to it, but I definitely prefer the real human voice for pleasure reading. And I don't care what voice I use to listen to a newspaper article, for example. And there you even have NFB Newsline in some cases, depending on the periodical, or Audible again, to be able to read things like the Wall Street Journal or other periodicals that are actually available with an Audible subscription. So we have more access to text than we know what to do with. And in fact, Mm -hmm. it used to be the go-to thing that you would walk up and down the Best Buy aisles and find that box set for somebody. But With the advent of Netflix and the rise of Hulu and Audible, buying media for somebody just becomes almost passe unless they're an audio or video file. So Mm -hmm. I've had to get more creative in what I want to get for people for Christmas. So I've walked through Fry's and I've seen like uh, the Doctor Who 50th anniversary Monopoly collection. And I'm like, ooh, I could get that. Or board games that are big and bright and have legible colors or just require dice rather than cards. And there are actually, believe it or not, large print dice out there. I actually have some foam large print dice that were not intentionally meant to be large print, but were. But Mm -hmm. there are enough sci-fi stores online where you can actually find very large die 20, die 6, die 10s, and uh, be able to use those in your gaming. And of course, there's also Places like ILA, Independent Living Aids, that have a lot of playing cards. So if you're looking to, you know, have a game of poker, uh, high stakes poker, and fight over the chicken leg and the wishbone, that may be a way to go too. If you're looking for something uh, in a low vision sort of way, that's not a technical gift for everyone. Now, I can go with what Joe was talking about as far as the coffee. A guy I worked with was from England, and he sort of got Aaron into drinking PG Tips, which is a British tea that you can get on Amazon, as well as there's a couple other different brands on there, but you have to watch out because it'll actually stain your teeth. And it's kind of irreversible. He came over here and one of the dentists said, "Uh, what do you drink? And he's like, well, I drink British tea. And she's like, oh, okay. Stains, very (laughs) bad stains, tremendous stains. And Aaron's been able to notice that by drinking that or the Yorkshire teas, they're really strong tea and they'll actually tint your teeth a little bit. But one thing that we have that we use indispensably is a stainless steel 16 ounce thermos. And it's by thermos. It's the stainless king 16 ounce thermos. And we did actually a, <laughs> our daily tips feed over at techaccessweekly.com. We actually did the thermos stainless steel king as a technology item because, well, it has a vacuum lock 
and it locks it down so that if you knock it over, you hold it upside down, it does not spill. So you don't end up breaking your Visio book or your laptop or something <laughs> like that. And it has a turn on the top that actually locks and you can feel it lock and it's just a left-right turn. So that's good. The only problem is it will keep your coffee very hot for probably eight to ten hours in there. Whoa. Okay. But, I mean, you put coffee in it at six in the morning, it's still warm at five or six o'clock at night when you actually finish it or pour it out. But thanks to the ABC show Shark Tank this past year, I saw a thing on there called Coffee Julies, J-O-U-L-I-E-S, and they're little half-egg-shaped things that have a metal alloy in them that melts at 140 degrees. And what it will do is it will actually cause these eggs to absorb heat out of your coffee. And it'll actually make it to where it is drinkable. And then throughout the day, it'll keep releasing heat as it starts to harden back up and your coffee stays warm. So we've added that. You add like three or four of those to your stainless steel king and you can actually continue to drink coffee without being the lady spilling it on herself at McDonald's or something, you know. (laughs) But you can get more information on that at like julies.com, J-O-U-L-I-E-S.com. It's about $50 for five of them, but we actually found that, yes, they do truly work. Doesn't seem like they would, but they do. So Joe might have to get some of that for his coffee, his fancy coffee. that's right. There's all sorts of great, oh, one of my very favorites right now is uh, Cozy Winter's Night. And I'll put a link in the show notes. It is uh, pretty interesting in its uh, Lola coffee, and you'll see when you get there. But it's kind of a butterscotch-flavored coffee, and it is very light. It's not overt. It's not like Grandma's Candies where you're like, oh, 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 um, No, it's a very light coffee, very good for after dinner or Sunday morning blend with pastry and uh, is just really, really neat. And I go and look for things like this or lunch with Elvis, which is another one we've talked about on EOL, which is the essence of fried peanut butter and banana sandwiches, hence the name lunch with Elvis. And on the very front end of me saying that you're probably curdling and going, Oh no, but honestly it's really not that bad and doesn't taste like scorched bananas or anything like that. Have you come hmm. across coconut-flavored coffee? Oh, several. Oh, uh, Hawaiian Grog okay. is a very good one, uh, which has kind of a creamy coconut flavor, and that one is really good for the morning. And if you throw half and half or cream in it, it really starts to bring out the coconut flavor and uh, just really jumps up at you. But yeah, there are several. I believe it's the Taste of Houston one that I mentioned earlier has a little bit of a coconut flavoring to it. And uh, they're really, really interesting. And I know some people are out there going, okay, wait a minute. Why isn't he talking like about Arabica beans and this and this and this? No, I actually kind of like these beans that are infused with oils. They don't taste like it's a base coffee with flavoring. It actually, they're roasted a certain way or that they're infused a certain way. So it actually takes on a bit of a hybrid thing between the flavor of the coffee and the actual coffee itself, as opposed to, Something you would get from Archer Farms where you go, carrot cake. Why does carrot cake taste like flavoring in coffee? Because it's like the Irish cream one over here where it's the same base flavor, but 
other flavors thrown on top of it. That's not what I'm talking about here. And I, you know, I'm not the crazy guy who goes to get the pram that you actually can heat the water up separately and then you have a grinder that's separate and then you have to have the actual 140 degrees or higher, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, at the moment of insertion of the beans to the water, you must only brew for X number of sentences. No, I really am kind of the guy who would rather go up to the replicator and yell Earl, you know, tea Earl Grey hot. So I'm somewhere in the middle between putting effort into this, but still looking for flavor. Okay, this Lola coffee is a fl- mixture of butterscotch caramel sweetness oh, it's with flavors of cream, vanilla, nutmeg, uh-huh. and cinnamon. Yeah. That does sound oh, good. So good. Sounds like a Thanksgiving coffee. Not it sounds like Maury's Christmas gift now. <laughs> <laughs> On Amazon, when I just searched for this, it also brought up in the same listing a J&M Home Fashions Holiday Snowtime Bear and Snowman Friends panel print fleece blanket. I can see mm. Joe sitting <laughs> under that drinking his coffee. Uh, sure. Did we miss the part about me being style impaired <laughs> earlier? Is that what we kind of glossed over? No, I not. It's a continuing uh, I, theme. I, I, I get you. <laughs> well, for me, it's a lifestyle. But, you know. If you live in a cold place, silk long underwear makes a lovely gift for the holidays. It's warm and toasty, yet light and not stinky like that old rayon. Yeah, <laughs> that <Exactly>. rayon. Or, <laughs> that even poly- satin can kind of sort of get to you after a while. So yeah, I, right. I my grandmother had satin sheets, and I thought those were just really neat when I was a kid. But I didn't lay in them to find out about. Wee! I'm off the bed, you know, because with certain pajamas, it was just like putting, you know, butter on a pan. Here it goes, you know. But yeah, I thought that was really neat as a kid. Again, we're getting back to the fact that I have no sense of style. I was in radio for a reason. Black t-shirts and blue pants. That was my work clothes. There we go. It was real easy, real simple. It's all color coordinated. And that's why it continues to work And then at I worked home. in retail where they chose your clothes for you. Here's your polo. Get some khakis. So it looks like we have kind of covered the gambit of Joe's poor fashion, his love of coffee, teas, high marks, pins, and all the suches and sos. So hopefully we've given some good ideas as far as travel tips, gifts you might want to give, that kind of thing. But if you do have any comments to this, please drop us a line at resources at serotalk.com so that we can get your gift ideas and pass them along for other people, or maybe we need to steal some ideas for ourselves. But anyway, it is now time to take a short little break, and we'll be back with, I believe Joe is going to do a Papa Sangre 2 review for iOS as we continue onward, as you're listening on SPN to High Contrast. And now it's time to look back at another greatish moment in Sarah Talk history. This week's topic the 12 Days of Accessibility. Hey, this is Jamie with Ricky and Joe here from the Sarah Talk Podcast. And we're going to take a look back. We're going to look back at Sarah Talk podcast history. 
it's the holidays. It seems like it's a good time to be able to do that. I, oh man, some of the craziest stuff that we've done didn't always happen on April Fool's Day. No, actually, we've had to come up with some crazy things in the past, and some fall flat, but others just really skyrocket. And it seemed like the holidays was the appropriate time to talk about the story behind a certain audio that everybody tends to love to hear. Yeah, this is actually pretty cool because uh, this came about because of feedback from listeners about an article that we discussed in a podcast. And given that listeners fell so in love with the concept discussed in this article, we figured that uh, we should feature said things in a song. So here's Matt Campbell, our own programmer here at Serotech, who has an amazing angelic voice. And if you listen in headphones... You'll actually hear different sounds in each channel for the various players in this particular piece. This is one of those where Serotech Marketing just came up with something and threw it up in the air, and everybody just went crazy with it. A fantastic team effort. And of course, you know that if you want to hear more about Serotech itself, you can head on over to serotech.com and hear about our gift cards and all sorts of other fun stuff that we have going on during the holidays, including our trial period that has been extended to 14 days or the ability to use that in all sorts of ways with the new self-installer. It's really, really neat. So definitely check that out, serotech.com. And now take a listen to this audio history lesson. So let's talk about some of the cool elements in uh, this production, such as... On the third day of Christmas, a vision came to me, free iPhones. Singing. And how you made these uh, things happen. Wait, wait. How I made these things happen? Yes. I did not make these things happen. Yeah. No. You, uh... Free iPhone. We're singing as a result of your efforts. No, actually, that's... the thing. No, because, see, the thing is, is that is using gear that I don't have. So, therefore, I can't be credited for that because it's not mine. I didn't do it. No, you only have one iPhone. That's true. No, I've actually, I actually do have three iPhones, but they weren't singing. Oh, that's right. No, <laughs> but you do have them, so therefore that leads no, 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 to no. more credibility that you have. Oh well, the three iPhones. I didn't do it. Uh huh. Okay. Well, I will confess, I did it. That's right. I did it. It's my fault. Really? Well, no. Actually, we'll blame. Matt Campbell, who can pass it on to whoever wrote the uh, lyrics. But we'll blame Matt. Okay. Because he doesn't get enough mentions on these things. That's true. So we'll blame him and uh, get on with breaking this thing down. So how did the free iPhones end up singing? Well, if you're bored enough, look up a product called a TC Helicon VoiceWorks. Yeah, the VoiceWorks is a piece of equipment that hooks up to mixers and keyboards and mics and things. And uh, you can play notes on your keyboard, and things will come out singing those notes. That's one of the basic things it does, and it can also create some of the other voices you may have heard on SPN. And uh, my one iPhones were made to say three iPhones at a very specific rate. In a note, it said three iPhones. And then I played the notes, and it sang. Well, that's pretty awesome. As for the seven droids are talking. Well, that dates that right there. You don't hear droids saying like that no more. No. They... <clears throat> Where did that accent come from? I didn't quite want to do that. <laughs> the talking? I don't know. Maybe it came from that. I think you inherited uh, Pico or whatever that thing was. Well, that was and probably still is a very publicly available voice. And so it was just a matter of making screen reader of choice uh, say seven droids are talking and playing the notes that make the voice works make it say seven droids are talking. And then they were seven droids of singing. In my personal view, it sounds cooler that way than the actual talky bit. 
where it says I things. I think so, too. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. Sadly, yes. Yeah. Uh, the deck talk, introducing everybody at the beginning. Well, that's typical. That has to happen in all these singing things productions. Not singing, though, which is pretty cool, actually. No, I made sure that it didn't. That's the very, very cool. I appreciate that. Because then they would really think it was me. Which actually means that I should have really considered oh, well. making it sing, even if I had to fake. But um, <laughs> it just spoke. And it came from System Access, because that was the most convenient deck talk to me, and so it was therefore oh, there, you there go. as a result. Yeah. The crowd that uh, reacted to the announcements was actually uh, from a college concert I recorded. And it was just uh, things that were going on during the concert that I took and played clips of and Spliced them together to make an audience that has no idea this stuff happened interact. And, uh, well, I actually did have a, a very small part to play in this whole thing. After they did the 12 Days of Accessibility thing, the initial one, they said, oh, let's turn this into a promo. And I made the voice spot for it, and yeah, I even made Deck Talk sing. Just don't tell anybody. It's, it's okay. You don't need to know, really. Now, what about the music? It would have sort of sounded weird if the music didn't exist. It would kind of sound I mean, just it, a little bit strange if the music wasn't, if you know, if the music was particularly realistic sounding. I mean, these are robot guide dogs; they got to be slightly right. So they had to have uh, sort of robotic sounding music. Now, our friend uh, who goes by the name Arfi, who can be followed on Twitter by said name, uh, made this from some uh, instruments he has, and it, like Matt's vocal, is sort of. Uh, forced to conform to a tempo and it jumps around like the robotic guide dogs did when they were conducting and that plus the promo will consist of what you will hear later indeed Ladies, gentlemen, and those like myself who can sound as if they were in your persuasion. And yeah, that much to think about. Anyways, welcome one and all to what should be an amazing performance of an upgraded Christmas carol, specifically, the 12 Accessible Days of Christmas, performed by Sarah Texone, Matt Campbell, with the Robotic Guide Dog Orchestra. To start us off, and no, you don't have to press a key or continue or anything like that. You just gotta show our cute and clunky robotic puppies some love as they make it out on stage. On the second day of Christmas, a vision came to me. Two iBlink apps and their gift of accessibility. On the third day of Christmas, a vision came to me. Three iPhone. Two iBlink apps and their gift of accessibility. On the fourth day of Christmas, a vision came to me. Four webinars. Three iPhone. Two iBlink apps and their gift of accessibility. On the fifth day of Christmas, a vision came to me. Five podcast feeds, four webinars, three iPhones, two iBlink apps, and the gift of accessibility. 
On the sixth day of Christmas, a vision came to me. Six scanner scanning, five podcast feeds. Four webinars, three iPhones, two iBlink apps, and the gift of accessibility. On the seventh day of Christmas, a vision came to me. Seven toys and talking. Six scanner scanning, five podcast feeds. Four webinars, three iPhones, two iBlink apps, and the gift of accessibility. On the eighth day of Christmas, a vision came to me. Eight techies fixing seven droids and talking. Six scanners scanning five podcast feeds. Four webinars, three iPhones, two iBlink apps, and the gift of accessibility. On the ninth day of Christmas, a vision came to me. Nine trainers training, eight techies fixing seven droids and talking. Six scanners scanning five podcast feeds. Four webinars, three iPhones, two iBlink apps, and the gift of accessibility. On the 10th day of Christmas, a vision came to me. 10 gamers gaming, 9 trainers training, 8 techies fixing, 7 dreads and talking, 6 scanners scanning, 5 podcast feeds, 4 webinars, 3 iPhones, 2 iBlink apps, and the gift of accessibility. On the 11th day of Christmas, a vision came to me. 11 music choices, 10 gamers gaming, 9 trainers training, 8 techies fixing, 7 drawings and talking, 6 scanners scanning, 5 podcast feeds, 4 webinars, 3 iPhones, 2 iBlink apps, and the gift of accessibility. On the 12th day of Christmas, a vision came to me. 12 Rizvik voices, 11 music choices, 10 gamers gaming, 9 trainers training, 8 techies fixing, 7 droids of talking, 6 scanners scanning, 5 podcast feeds, 4 webinars, 3 iPhones, 2 iPad apps, and the gift of accessibility. This has been another greatish moment in Saratalk history. Stay tuned to the Saratalk Podcast Network for more greatish moments in Saratalk Podcast history. Oh no, you're dead. Oh, you're so dead. And you're playing Papa Sangre 2 on iOS. It's a game that is in your head by neurally, and by that I mean it's a type of audio that's used to make you feel like things are right there in your left ear, or walking behind you to your right ear. Yes, it's a really neat game that you wear with headphones. There are no visuals, and it is awesome. If you haven't played the game before, there's a Papa Sangre 1 as well as the Nightjar made by the same company. Papa Sangre 2 is actually more difficult than those other two games. Uh, they've ramped up the difficulty by making you walk around a virtual environment in headphones with no graphics and you tap parts of the screen to walk you clap your hands at the top right and left of the screen 
to send things away or to climb out of burning buildings. Yes, you find out that you are in a very far away place and you may be dead. And to get out, you're going to have to capture memories, other people's memories. So you'll walk through a museum, you'll walk past all sorts of critters walking around you, and then you'll go through huge laboratories. And then, like I said, burning buildings. But that's not all. You get to shoot ducks at a shooting gallery. It's amazing stuff. And if you don't think that is crazy enough, I'll just mention this one word, penguins. Yes, penguins. Papa Sangre is a pretty nice install. It's like 350 meg, so if you don't have a lot of room on your device, you might want to be aware of that. If you're using iOS 5, there is a version available. It runs a little sluggish. It really is made for devices with iOS 6 or higher. The neat thing about the controls is that you can actually swipe back and forth, or you can use the devices within the later edition iPads and iPhones as a gyroscope, and as you turn, the audio will turn around you. So you can actually stand in the room and actually control this by moving backwards and forwards or turning left and right in the audio will pan around you just like it would in real life. It's very spooky and really cool and worth a download. Go get Papa Sangri now. Either the first one or the second one, but I highly recommend the second one for a great late night, close your eyes, walk around and test your mobility skills. All of that now available on the iOS App Store, around $4.99 a piece for each one of these games, but sometimes they go on sale for 99 cents. Ooh, look out for those mind lice. Welcome back to High Contrast here on SPN. Well, Mari Hill has dropped out, but to my virtual left, we will replace her with Byron Lee of ByronLee.com. How's it going, Byron? Hi there. I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm uh, doing pretty good. How about them bears? You know? Yeah, them bears. Yeah, well, whatever. Bears. <laughs> you know, this uh, time of the year for me is sort of alienating. You know, you, you go to the fam's house, you know, all the guys are standing around talking about football. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm just sort of sitting there going, yeah, yeah Doctor Who was great last week. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know, November. Sports, blah. <laughs> what you're saying is the Big Bang Go Sports thing. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pretty much. That's about where it stands there. I'll finish watching the game because there's only about two minutes left. Well, that's till halftime. It's only half. No. <laughs> and my iPad only has 20% left in it. No. <laughs> I- that's the way I feel about like half the Thanksgiving parades when I get up in the morning where it's just like, didn't I see that float on CBS a minute ago? Is that the same flip and float over here on ABC? How did it get from like, I don't know, California to New York, but somehow it's the same float. I didn't like it then. And there's still 13 more marching bands to go. <laughs> if the float takes as long as it takes to get through Times Square, it probably takes all year to get from New York to California. Just going 20 miles an hour down the highway, playing some sort of stupid festive music, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Or no, the marching band playing something like Wrecking Ball, where it's some modern hit that people like and the the band plays it. And you actually come away going, 
I like that version better than the original. That's usually the case, yeah. So we've gotten off on a bit of a tangent, haven't we, Rodney? <laughs> we do that. Nothing new for this show. That is how this goes. It sort of turns into an EOL show extra type of thing. Uh, before we actually brought Byron in, they kept talking about Doctor Who, which just makes me want to bang my head. Oh, I thought you were going to say that they were staying on topic until I got here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we had finished up on the uh, travel ideas. We covered some possible holiday gift ideas, uh, that kind of thing, from coffee to tea to organizers, that kind of thing. But you had a great idea, which is... Man bags or Merces <laughs> or something to travel with. And we had actually covered ugly luggage like you might see on uh, peopleofwalmart.com because people need to find their luggage once they get to their destination. So what is your idea on baggage? Well, I'm, I'm a bit of a uh, baggage freak. I, I think I need to join the BA, the, the Baggage Anonymous group and admit that there is a problem because, you know, that's the first step. But I am actually in the process of looking for the perfect everyday companion bag that I can carry things like my tablet and, you know, phone charger and external battery, you know, electronic cigarette stuff, you know, various other sundry items that I want throughout the day. And so I've just been kind of looking at different types of bags lately. And then when I saw the topic in the doc for this week's episode of High Contrast, I went, gift ideas. You know what? Man bags or merces might actually be a pretty decent idea rather than getting a tie, unless it has a compartment for a phone, get them a man bag. That is something that is very difficult to find. I've always thought about getting maybe a Scotty vest jacket or something because it's got the hidden wire compartments and things like that. But as far as a bag, I just mostly just use a book bag that has been around here for probably the last 15 years. And until that falls apart, I'm probably not looking for anything. But I know what you mean. You need something with compartments or slots or things like that. My wife has a laptop bag that is a backpack, which is from Spire, I think AspireUSA.com. Uh, and it has a lot of different compartments and zippers and things like that. Uh, I found that back uh, when the old screensaver show was on tech TV. They had a big sample of that. I've also heard of Tom Ben bags and other things like that. But I haven't found anything that I've ever really pulled the trigger on and purchased. What about Joe? Does Joe just use a Piggly Wiggly bag from down the street or... Do you actually have something you prefer to use? Oh, crap. No, it's worse than that. It's whatever I picked up at convention. So I've got a Kurzweil bag I got at an NFB convention in 2006 that I still actually threw some gear in. And uh, no, I don't go out of my way for stuff like that. It's mostly promos and things of that nature. And I actually was given a really good Samsonite case for Christmas. And it was one of those where I didn't balk. It was like... You know, I know it doesn't seem like luggage is the greatest Christmas gift. I was like, heck no, I'm totally fine with that because I would never buy this. It's very useful and functional. Therefore, I probably would never buy it. So I do have a collection in series of different freebies and things that I've picked up along the way at convention uh, that will kind of sort of make that work. Uh, it's better than my mother and her Cracker Barrel bags. Like they have things that they will carry things in that I 
did not inherit. So I seem to do have a level of modicum despair or a level that I say I won't go that far down to. So using that bag from Cracker Barrel, other places is where I'll draw the line. I actually will go to Wilson's Leather and look at something there or, you know, look at other things that kind of sort of fit where I, again, I don't really consider color. I start looking at shape, function, and pockets. And I would be probably more of a Scotty vest or more of that kind of thing. But again, south, humidity, heat. You don't wear that kind of stuff that often unless you work in a cool room at an IT shop. You know, I actually thought of the vest thing. And I, a couple of years ago, I went to this ham radio convention in Dayton, Ohio. And uh, there is this booth that always has these like tan colored fisherman's type of vests that have all kinds of pockets. And on the surface, I thought, boy, that sounds like a cool idea. And I bought one my third year going to the Dayton Hamvention. And I stuffed it full of ham radio batteries and antennas and all sorts of other stuff. And the problem with wearing a vest with all your stuff in it is that you're right, that extra layer gets to be uncomfortable, but also it's all hanging off of you from various places on your person. And uh, it seems convenient, but it's really not. And the other thing you mentioned is that you may not buy yourself a man bag, but if a significant other or relative or something got you a nice bag with lots of different compartments and pockets and zippers and pouches and stuff you would probably use it because I think a lot of guys are into organization. You know, we, we have our toolboxes and we got to keep the sockets separate from the screwdrivers and all that. You know, a lot of guys tend to have very, very organized utility closets and things like that. Now, when it comes to our computer rooms and, and the insides of our cars and stuff, we've got beer cans and whatnot all over the place. But uh, in terms of our practical use, our tools of the trade type of thing, we tend to keep things kind of organized and neat. So I think it's a good gift idea or just something you should get for yourself. And uh, I have a couple of different bag types that I want to run through you guys and see what you think about them. So I'm not supposed to keep things like tools and stuff in a pillowcase. Probably not a good idea unless a burglar okay. comes into the house and you want to knock them stone cold, just throw everything heavy into the pillowcase and swing it over your head and just whack them with it. And, and that might actually be a good deterrent. Okay, so what you got? Okay, so the first bag that I recently got is a nice, tall, hard-shelled suitcase. Now, this is not what I would consider a man bag per se, but it's a great travel bag. And what's cool about it is that the insides have lots of different kinds of pockets. The outside of the bag is expandable, so it's got your inner zipper that just shuts the thing. And then there's an outer zipper, which you zip up to make the bag smaller, or you leave it unzipped to make it bigger. The casters on the bottom will go in pretty much any direction, and there are four of them on the bottom. So instead of having one of those suitcases that have the two legs on the back and then the two wheels on the front, and you have to sort of pull it towards you and then walk around with it, this thing will actually roll with you. It sort of feels like you're guiding R2-D2 around with you on a leash or something. <laughs> you know, it feels like you've got a droid following you around. So it gives you a little bit smaller profile as you're walking through, say, an airport or something. 
Yeah, it's easier to sort of push a bag along or just sort of pull it along on four casters rather than two. It's great for being on the train or on the bus because the maneuverability is much better. You can sort of zigzag the thing around, you know, past people and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I really like that bag. Is there a brand on that particular one you have there? I almost have to like go across the room and look at it. I I don't remember who makes it. I want to say it's like a Samsonite type of bag, but... um, there are various manufacturers that make bags that are similar to this, you know, hard mm-hmm. outer shell and forecasters, lots of pockets. Okay. Yeah. The casters and their orientation, I always hate the one that has the two wheels that you're pulling as an angle behind you because it just doesn't seem comfortable, you know, so something that's got four wheels might be a little bit easier to deal with. Plus you're not having to support the weight of it. Yeah, absolutely. The next bag down that I have is a backpack that also is a rolling suitcase. So it has that handle that can click up and down. So it is about waist level when it's clicked all the way up. It does have the two wheels on the back, so it doesn't have the casters on the bottom. But for a bag that small, it's not as necessary. But it has a laptop compartment. It has a compartment for books and you know writing utensils and things like that. It has outer pockets for your cell phone charger and your external batteries and stuff like that. So that's another type of sort of like travel bag, which really wouldn't fall into the category of MERSE, unless you're bringing lots of stuff with you every day. Then it's a rolling bag. Yeah, it's like a a rolling backpack, basically. So the next bag down from that, and we're kind of going by size here, there is your traditional messenger bag. You know, those are pretty common and you have stuff that is as plain as just an inner compartment and that's it to stuff that has pockets on the inner flap and the outer flap and pockets on the outside and on the inside, a compartment for a laptop, a compartment for a tablet, a compartment for like notebooks and things like that. But those are pretty basic and boring. And what I don't like about messenger bags, and maybe you guys can concur with me on this, I don't know is the standard design of an arm strap and then a bag, it makes you feel lopsided. It makes you feel like somebody can just yank that bag off your shoulder and it just feels sort of boring and unimaginative. And what I want is a bag that's kind of different and interesting and kind of utilitarian. So the next bag down from there that I've discovered that I I don't have yet, but I want to get one, is this crossbody sort of bag with all kinds of pockets that would go against your chest or your back. And Joe will get this reference. It kind of looks like the sash that Lieutenant Worf wears across his chest, but it's a big bag with pockets and stuff instead of the sparkly, you know, decor. (laughs) Right. Trying to say which house you belong to of the Klingon Empire. No, that makes a lot of sense. Basically, what you're really asking for is something bigger on the inside. Than it is on the outside, maybe. A, yeah, you know, if I could find a bag a that's box. bigger on the inside, and, you know, I like Felix's magic bag of tricks. That's what I want—a TARDIS bag. Right, and maybe the uh, pocket universe inside Zenoob's briefcase and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, I, Rodney, stop uh, doing I, I, that. I think Rodney. <laughs> Rodney is hammering nails here live. We've become the Blind Handyman Podcast. I don't know if anybody knew that we just. We just did that. I think he has a dent in his head now from banging his head against the wall. <laughs> well, that's okay. When you said bang your head earlier, all I could think of was, you know, Quiet Riot. So there you go. Yeah. You want something that has as much space as the little sphere around Orion's neck. 
in men in black. Nicely done. See, he insults us only because he's in denial. Uh Mm -hmm. I gotcha. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, who's got you now? (laughs) So, of course, the last kind of bag that I'm thinking of are sort of like your camera cases or your lunchbox-sized sort of things, you know, just little bags that you can carry around with you that usually don't have a shoulder strap. They just have a handle. And those are okay, but usually I put those kinds of bags inside of a bigger bag, and those carry very specific things like a camera setup or something else that's very specific, like audio equipment and recording gear and stuff like that. So you've got all kinds of bags from huge to kind of small and easy to carry around. Well, in looking at my Amazon wish list here, because usually... When I listen to something like Mac Break, Andy Anatko or Alex Lindsay will mention bags that they've purchased or like to use when traveling. And one, I think Andy mentioned this one, was a Pelican case. It is a 1510 LOC carry-on. It's Mm -hmm. basically designed for cameras, and it's a hard-sided thing. It's about $200, and he basically takes all the insides out and either puts slotted organizers in it, which you can buy separately, or he'll use that as his carry-on bag because it fits every compartment. If it doesn't fit F-A-A in the suitcase, he can't carry it. You want to look for those kinds of things, and it'll say TSA approved or FAA approved, or you want to look for that kind of stuff. And if you're bringing electronics, if you haven't done it before, you want to have something that's easily opened and that can allow you to take a laptop or some other piece of equipment out and place it in a bin separately. Those rules change, and it depends on each airport because each airport responds to a threat level differently. So if you're flying with these bags or if you're going on a cruise ship with these bags, you want something that allows you to tuck all those things away or neatly away because the bag may be searched or out of your possession for search And it's just easier to have a bag that's simple, not only for them to look through, but for you to go back and do inventory with to make sure that everything is back where it's supposed to be. I believe the shape that Tom Ben calls it at TomBen.com for it is like a butterfly case for like laptops and things so that it opens up and it lays completely flat. Yeah, there's actually three types of bags that are good for TSA checkpoints. And you mentioned one of them, which is the butterfly style. And that's the kind that just opens up like a book. And you can lay the thing on a conveyor belt with both sides splayed wide open. The other thing they have is like a trifold style sort of bag where you can just sort of unroll it and just leave the contents shown. And then, of course, the last one is for netbooks and tablets and things like that is the sleeve style. And there are also backpacks that are specifically designed, I know there's one from Timbuktu, which is a particular brand of bag maker that has bags that are specifically designed so that you don't have to take your laptop out of the bag when it goes through the TSA because of the way that it's designed. Yeah, and two, something if you're traveling, I didn't really know that these even existed, was they have uh, like locks that are TSA approved where they're actually able to unlock them. Hadn't heard of that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's like for the Pelican case here, there is a Pelilock, P-E-L-I-L-O-C-K, probably because it's Pelican, but it's a TSA approved. And I guess they have a unlock that they can use on it and it's universal. So they're able to actually lock your case back and they don't have to cut anything or 
break any zip ties or things like that. Yeah, I've heard stories of people getting their bags back and they have a little red piece of paper inside that says, you know, your bag was inspected and people have had horror stories where locks were broken because their bags were packed so full that sometimes the lock was the only thing really keeping them shut. And once they the, blo- the uh, lock is broken, the bag no longer properly shuts and things have gone missing out of the bag and things are kind of just hanging out by a thread and stuff. So it's not fun having to have your locks broken on your luggage and have had the TSA go through them. But if they're going to do it, you might as well make it easier for them. The only question I have is, and maybe this is a good idea for another TV show, you know, like Dexter or something, somebody who works for the TSA who uh, basically makes their extra living by stealing stuff out of people's bags because they have the special lock that the TSA has. Thief by night, TSA agent by day. His name could be TSA Bob. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) That was a uh, promo that they did for the TSA, sort of. They had this guy named Bob explaining how to go through checkpoints and things like Mm -hmm. that, and he basically just was made fun of. It was sort of like the mall cop uh, movie. What was it? Paul Blunt? Mall Paul Blart. Yeah, yeah, Blart. Yeah. Mall cut. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. There's another King of Queens reference there, isn't there? Hmm. Yeah. It is important, though, because there are certain types of bags that will not fit in overhead compartments or under the seat in front of you. So it's good to know about that kind of thing. If you do selective seating and you're tall, you want to know on which aircrafts you can actually fit very well as opposed to hmm, I seem to have my knees in my ears and that kind of thing. And how much you can carry on, because remember, if you're over a certain uh, weight limit, you're going to get nailed with fees. But the other side of that, too, is unless you have a Bellman or a rolling cart, it's hard to get all those bags up to your room. So you want to pay attention to how much you pack, how you pack, because it may be searched, and then remember about liquids and everything. You want to go to Walgreens or whatever drugstore that you prefer, CVS, and get the travel-sized things because, oh, man, I have seen them just like, nope, can't go on. And they have a like a little tub of stuff they've thrown detergent or whatever shampoo mouthwash into because it's not travel-sized. And they are very serious about that. And if you use something like a CPAP machine or other sleep devices, those will be searched. You have to pull out your laptop and have it separate. You have to have those devices separate. And in some cases, I just, for the sake of of making it go faster when I have to do this, I have a folding cane. So I place my folding cane, my shoes, my watch, uh, if I'm wearing one that day, my cell phone, and even sometimes my wallet all in a bin by itself, all my personal attire stuff. That way, when that bin comes through, I can get all my stuff and put it back on my person while I'm able to get you know the, all the other stuff. And, and it takes a while. And I know there's some people probably who are listening to this going, you never surrender your cane. Well, I still have some usable vision. So it's my choice. I surrender my cane and let them review it because I'm not using a fiberglass or a carbon fiber. Mine's still very much metal joints and stuff like that. So I prefer to actually use that because I don't want it to break that easy. But if you're using a service animal, if you don't remember your training for walking through metal detectors and things like that, contact your guide school and, you know, get a touch up on what you should do because there are special rules for the animal going through as well. You know, every time I go through security, I always feel like I'm missing something by the time I get my watch and my wallet and my phone and my keys and my change. And uh, one time I actually had left my ticket, my boarding pass. (laughs) 
<laughs> in the bin oh, because I got everything I else mean, but the boarding pass. <laughs> the stories you will hear from the airport of what's in the lost and found, or or you'll sit there at the gate and you'll hear, "Can you come back to the TSA agent? You know, we have your laptop." You know, it's like, dude, how could you forget that? You know, uh, it, yeah, it, I'm Bob. It, it does happen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, totally him. Yeah, not a problem. (laughs) Speaking of things that are lost in the TSA agency area of the airport or left at baggage claim or the lost and found area at the airport, there's a really cool store, and I think it's a chain of stores, but I went to the one in Alabama called Unclaimed Baggage. And if you are a baggage freak, bagaholic like I am, this place is like going to a wine tasting uh, festival. They have baggage, they have Merces, they have cameras, iPods, iPhones, cameras. One of the things that they actually found in someone's luggage that they never claimed was one of the original props from the movie Labyrinth. One of the little dwarf (laughs) Muppet things from Labyrinth was found in a bag at the airport and never claimed. And so they have it in their museum. (laughs) That is killer. That is awesome. There's um, a lot to it. You know, if you're going to carry your tablet on there, you know, I wear windbreakers that have pockets big enough to zip my tablet back up into. So if you're going to watch something on the plane or you're going to listen to something on the plane, like, you know, using a Nexus 7 or an iPad mini or even something like that, you know, it's good to have something that that will fit into so it remains on your person. The more stuff that you can have on your person that doesn't encumber you, the better things will go. And also you can go through the kind of checklist of making sure that you have all the things on you in a little bit of a mental like, okay, Shoes are tied, belts done, and the you know tablets here. My phone is here, and on and on and on. So those are also little tips. And the more you travel, the easier that gets. You get little cycles in your head to make sure that in a quick rundown, in mentally, you know you've got everything that you were supposed to have when walking away from an aircraft, from a boat, from a car, from TSA. Let me ask you a quick question about tablets, by the way, and the storing and uh, lugging of them. I'm considering buying a different kind of tablet, and I'm selling my two iPads, the mini and the uh, iPad 2, and I'm thinking about getting this tablet that is a full Windows 8.1, 8-inch tablet, and that sounds really cool. Uh, But the problem that I've always had with tablets, and by the way, that tablet is called the Dell Venue 8 Pro, if you're interested in looking it up. But the problem that I've always had with tablets is that I never carry them with me because I never have the right bag or other sort of apparatus for carrying it. My phone's always on a holster slash clip thingy that hangs off my belt. And so that's always right there on my person. I wish I could find a decent way to carry an eight, eight inch tablet that I could either somehow clip onto myself or at least have in a bag that is easy to sling around my shoulder and have with me most of the day. Anybody here have any suggestions other than putting it in a jacket? Because you can't wear a jacket during the summer. Because that's the only real way to keep it on your person that I can think of. Well, what is it? The 501 Tactical Pants. I think they have large uh, pockets <laughs> on it. So you could put a... Uh... <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm going to wear MC Hammer yeah. pants and keep my tablet in there. <laughs> they have concealed pockets, I believe. That's another Andy Anatko thing. Oh, yee. The um, going to Office Max slash Office Depot the one store that has merged from two is where I got my Nexus seven case. I found really unique uh, selections that I didn't even find at Fry's. And usually I used to find some crazy stuff at Fry's, 
at Office Depot and Office Max. So that's a place that I would look, but I'm going upwards. I'm going to go to the Surface Pro because if I'm traveling in a city and I need to get something, I can get to a Best Buy or another Microsoft retailer and get replacement parts without having to go halfway across the city. You know, it's going to be a quick, you know, ask Siri, ask Google now, where's the nearest X so I can go there and get the part I may have left or need or has gone wrong. So I'm kind of leaning in a Surface Pro direction. Also because Jenny Axler over at Hims demonstrates Serotech products with her Hims displays and other products on the Surface Pro. So I'm kind of leaning in that direction anyway for work, but I would have gone in that direction regardless because it is nice to be able to turn to somebody in a room and go, I just need to borrow a lightning cable for like a minute, you know, or I just want to get a mini USB that works really well here. The proprietary cable is kind of going away, but there was a time where you really had to go, I got to get to a Best Buy. The only way I'm going to be able to charge this thing is to go and get another so-and-so cable from such and such place. And so going more generic than that is kind of where I've started to go because I sometimes mm-hmm. need that equipment when I'm in the field. Well, the good thing is the Dell Venue 8 Pro uses a micro USB cable to charge, but you do raise a really interesting point, And that is that sometimes when you're at a convention or whatever, you can almost ask anybody for a cable and chances are they'll probably have what you need because all these specialty cables are going out of style. However, I will make a point of order that the lightning cable, while extremely popular because so many people have iPhones and iPads, that is still proprietary. It's just that I would say three out of five blind people have an iPad or iPhone of some sort. So if you're at a convention full of blind people, chances are they're going to have a cable. But you're not saying you're not going to use the Chinese knockoff lightning cables that may or may not necessarily cause issues for charging and talking on the phone? (laughs) No, I think not. Now, as we mentioned before Byron got here, and he hasn't had time to study up on what we discussed previously, all Byron needs to do is get a grid it grid-it to attach all of his little cables and things to and throw it in his man bag that he hasn't decided on which to buy yet. Well, yeah. In fact, I'll have to go back and listen to what you guys talked about because little organization things, and I have no idea what the grid it does, so I'll have to go back and listen, but... It's a nice flat piece that has straps on it so that you can attach your mp3 players or your cables or things and you can sort of put it in your own little process and then there are actually some that actually close up like a little booklet so indispensable we used to call those trapper keepers right (laughs) well those kinds of things are really good in fact uh, little things that you can keep in your man bag that are really useful are like film canisters which nobody uses anymore because nobody takes pictures with film medicine bottles altoids cans Things like that are great for keeping like batteries and cables and stuff kind of self-contained. And if you really have to be, you know, OCD about it, there are great little cases for GPSs and cameras from Case Logic that are great for just, I just want to keep my GPS and its power cable and its card or whatever that comes with it away from everything else in its own little self-contained bag. So you could spend money and do that kind of stuff too. Ah, a lot of different ideas there. Definitely. Mm-hmm. You know, there is one other bag that I forgot to tell you guys about when I was giving you the list of the rundown of types of bags. Okay. Oh, my God. I just thought of two of them. (laughs) Okay. All right. So the first bag that my friend Sarah told me about, and I forgot who makes it. I think it's Sierra. It is a bag that is a 
large backpack sort of suitcase sort of thing, but it has a zipper on it that you undo completely, and then that turns into a day pack with shoulder straps as well. So you keep all of your clothes and your stuff for staying at the hotel room in this one bag, and then you disconnect the day pack from it, and you go on your little tour with your camera and your tablet and all that cool stuff in the other bag, and it's really two bags and one that separate. Okay. So that's kind of cool. That's different. Yeah. I've seen bags where you could actually put your laptop and your clothes and all that kind of stuff in it, but not one that actually separated. Yeah. And then the other bag for people who have laptops and tablets and other sorts of geeky sundry things. Did you catch my geek and sundry reference there, Joe? I did. I'm surprised you didn't bring up geek chic at least once, but yes, (laughs) keep going while I sit here and think about a redhead over at geek and sundry. I'm I'm just going (laughs) to go over here and... Think about the Veronica. Game. Veronica would be one, but I kind of sort of lean towards another lady in that group who's on Supernatural. She's, you know, she's uh, awesome. geeky redheaded women could be a whole show topic. <laughs> on EOL? Yeah. We'll start about Willow and then work our way over to Felicia Day and then try not to talk about the rock star. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay. So the other bag that's really cool for those geeks in our circle are backpacks that actually have a battery pack built in so you can charge your laptop and all that other cool stuff while it's inside the bag. I think there's even one that has a cord on the outside that you can plug into the wall. I see a lot of those. If you follow iMore, they're always recommending charging cases and or, you know, multiple, like it has like four or five minor USB ports and two major USB ports for charging. So I am seeing that more and more and more. In fact, Andy recommended a charger not too long ago that was like the six in one plug. So if there were four people all trying to fight around the airport free AC adapter charging station, and you didn't want to plug your stuff into their stuff, you could actually plug this in and then everybody has a port to charge at once, kind of like a giant USB hub. So yeah, that kind of stuff is somewhat good too. And I am one of these guys that carries a travel surge protector and a hub in the hotel room just to make sure because I don't want the power fluctuations to get to the equipment. And so I will actually have a little bit of that in the case for traveling and stuff like that. So I too pay attention to what Alex and Andy talk about on Mac Break Weekly because there are some great travel gear uh, recommendations. There's actually a really cool surge protector type of thingy that I have. And it's like this octopus surge protector deal and you plug one end into the wall and then instead of a strip you have an individual cable with an outlet on each one and there's usually six to eight plugs and what's great about those is that you have devices that have large wall warts that would normally take up one or two outlets on a strip even though it's not actually using the adjacent outlet right next to it and so you don't have to worry about the fact that well my my power strip has space for two big wall warts and then three smaller plugs Because each leg of the octopus thing has its own little dangly cable that has plenty of clearance for any sort of wall art. I think there is a monster surge protector power block thing that's about $15 and it does kind of what you're talking about. Gives you the rotating port so that you can plug things in. But I can't seem to find that on my uh, wish list. I know it's there. I just haven't found it yet. But anyway. Discontinued was from China, caught fire and died. That's most things, yes. (laughs) Yes, this is true. (laughs) One-star review. 
But anyway, hopefully in our earlier discussion as well as this discussion, we have given you a lot of food for thought. And hopefully you can give us your ideas for travel bags or surge protectors or ways to keep Billy Bob next door in your hotel from sniffing your packets as you try and bed down for the night in the Holiday Inn or whatever you choose to room at. Email or iBlink radio comment over at resources at serotalk.com for the email. Seeing as how we have gone a little bit long, we will skip the mailbag this week. Not really a whole lot going on there, so hopefully this discussion will stir some comments. But anyway, I am Rodney Edgar of TechAccessWeekly.com. You can find me on Twitter at Rodney Edgar. And earlier we had Mari Hero, which is at Mari Elizabeth on Twitter, and you can find her work over at AISquared.com slash zoomed in. And thanks to our late arrival, Byron Lee of ByronLee.com for being here. Thank you, Byron. Well, you're very welcome, and uh, thanks for having me on again, against your better judgment. Uh, it's always a chore. What is your Twitter if people want to follow you? My Twitter username is Byron27. That's twitter.com slash Byron27. And, you know, I just had a thought for the mailbag next time. People, send us your Amazon wish lists because... That will give other people an idea. Not necessarily that people are going to be buying stuff for you on your wish list, but people can look at what you want and say, hmm, well, gosh, there's a lot of stuff in here that maybe my uh, significant other might want. So maybe that's an idea for the mailbag. Very good. And as always, Ranger Joe Steinkamp from Saratalk.com, Sarotech.com, that Android show, Triple Click Home, EOL show, what did I leave out, Joe? It's just easier if you do saratech.com slash SPN, because that's actually the landing page for the Saratech Podcast Network, and uh, has a listing of all our shows and information that's there. I am the sucker, I mean the uh, person who's going to do the show notes, and if you're missing any of the links or any of the products mentioned here, be sure to follow up on those social media for the person who said it because I didn't hound them down to get the link from them for the show notes. So if there was a product we didn't get in the show notes, contact the people you heard just moments ago. Or you can drop us an email over at resources at serotalk.com and complain to us that we did not include such and so product, and we'll try and mention it on a future episode. As always, thanks for listening, and this is High Contrast on SPN, the Serotalk Podcast Network. You can get a lot of information at serotalk.com. Like I said, drop us an email at resources at serotalk.com. And you can even listen on iBlink Radio for iOS and Android. My future Windows phone is just not going to have iBlink. I don't see that happening anytime soon. You never know. You never know. Maybe. There's Windows 8.1. It's still good. Well, maybe Jeremy Curry will show up at some point and tell us how good that Windows 8.1 is. (laughs) Hi, Jeremy. Hi. Maybe at some point he'll come back. We scared him off, I think. I think it was Windows 8.1. Yeah, maybe that's it. He's got a migraine that just will not go away. Progress bars. Yeah. You can also check for a free trial of SamNet over at SA2Go.com. Until next time, this is... High contrast on SPN. Goodbye, 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 goodbye. You're still here? Go home.